today on The Journey. I've entered God's Life University where the curriculum is broad and the subject matter is deep. And I learn through the process to become totally dependent on God. In a landscape of confusing promises, where can you find true peace and confidence? Well, in just a moment, Ron Moore will be here to provide a spiritual map where contentment marks the spot. Plus, after the message, I'll let you know about Ron's devotional booklet titled Garments of Grace. In it, you'll discover eight items of spiritual clothing God wants every believer to wear. Garments of Grace is available as a digital download for a donation of any amount at ronmore.org. Your gift today will help further this ministry of developing followers of Jesus Christ. Now here's Ron with the message, Grace of Contentment on the Journey. Today we're going to address the subject of contentment. The grace of contentment. The ability to live a deep, settled life of peace and happiness and even tranquility of the billows of sin and turmoil around this role. To personalize the subject, let me ask you a question. Are you a contented person? Are you at peace with yourself? Are you at peace with your circumstances? Or do you live your life with your stomach churning and your heart churning with every new circumstance and situation that comes? This today, that tomorrow, it'll be something else a few days from now, a year from now, I'll have a completely different set of something to churn about, searching for contentment, but never seeming to find it. It's kind of like a puff of smoke, just floats away. What a day, take your Bibles, and let's hear the Apostle Paul, and he has something to tell us today about contentment. In his letter to the Philippians that he writes from a Roman prison to a church in Philippi. Philippians chapter 4 verse 10. Paul says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you've been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. And I have learned the secret of being content, whatever the circumstances. Know what it is to have need, verse 12, and know what it is to live in plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. Before we get started in going through the passage and understanding what Paul is telling us, let's make sure we understand what contentment is, what it's all about. Let's talk about some things first. It's not. Contentment, first of all, is not complacency. It's not living your life with no desire to change or no desire to grow, to be smugly satisfied with who you are and how you respond to the situations around you. Complacency is not a part of contentment. Neither is contentment a false peace based on ignorance. We are to be learners 
about our life situation. And thirdly, contentment is not an escape from life. Rather, contentment is this. It is the peace and the confidence of a person who possesses inner strength and doesn't have to depend on external substitutes. Look again at verse 10. Paul says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord, to the Philippians, that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you just didn't have an opportunity to show it. Paul begins here with a situation that is bringing him great joy. He has reestablished contact with the church in Philippi. Paul had a special relationship with this church. They were the first group of people to support him on his missionary endeavors. He had an intimate relationship with them. But for some reason, and we don't know why, the connection was broken. They had lost personal contact. But here, something happened where they have gained personal contact. Paul says, indeed, you had been concerned. You just didn't have an opportunity to show it. But the situation has changed now. The Philippian church sent a man named Epaphroditus to Rome to visit Paul in prison and to personally encourage him. And Paul says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Now, that's not a backhanded compliment. Paul's not saying, where you guys been? I'm glad you finally started showing concern for me again. The word renew describes trees or flowers bursting into full bloom. Describes a plant sprouting afresh. Paul is like a man marveling over the signs of spring after a long, hard winter. Your care for me has blossomed afresh. It's always been there. You just didn't have the opportunity to show me. But now like a flower in bloom, it's back. And Paul says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord. Mark those words. I rejoice greatly in the Lord. Paul says, I don't rejoice in the Philippians. He says, I'm not rejoicing in the gift they sent. <laughs> I know what it's like to live in need. I know what it's like to have plenty. It doesn't matter. The gift doesn't. It's nice. It's a concrete expression of their love. Later, he says that it's pleasing to God. It's like a sacrifice to God. It's going to be credited to their account. But Paul says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord. Uses that word greatly one time in his writing. It's used here to intensify his emotion of his rejoicing. I rejoice immensely in the Lord because he is the one, Philippians, who has worked in your heart to bring you to himself in the first place. He is the one, Philippians, who caused you to have concern for me. He is the one, Philippians, who has reopened this door of opportunity so you can show your concern for me. Philippians, it's the Lord who has reestablished our partnership and our relationship. Here's the second thing we learn in this passage. Contentment is not found in people. It's not found in things. It is found solely in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. If you are searching to find contentment in people, you're going to live your life in misery. Because people will not bring you contentment. One of the greatest problems in marriages today is that a husband 
tries to find contentment through his wife, and the wife tries to find contentment in her husband, and it ain't going to happen. Because the greatest husband in all the world and the greatest wife in all the world cannot do what God can only do. So if you're seeking in your marriage to try to find a deep, settled contentment, stop. It's not going to happen. If you're not married, you're probably saying, if I could only be married, then I'd be happy. Then I'd be content. No, not going to happen. If you're in high school, you're saying, if I just had the right friends, if I was just in the right group, if I could just excel in this sport or this area of music or this area of drama, if I could just make the grades I need, if I could just get the right college, then I'd be happy. No, you won't. You can't find contentment in people. You can't find contentment in things. Paul writes in the sixth chapter of Timothy, people who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, not money, but the love of money, is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. If I just had this thing, then I'd be happy. No, you won't. The writer of Hebrews says, keep yourself free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Solomon in Ecclesiastes says this, chapter 5, verse 10, whoever loves money never has money enough. And whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. Things will not satisfy. Contentment is not found in people and not found in things. It's only found in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Why can Paul talk about being content? Why can he say whatever the situation, the most drastic situation, the greatest situation, I can be content? doesn't mean I don't respond to that. It doesn't mean sorrow doesn't come. It doesn't mean there's a bit of anxiety. But deep down, there is a peace that passes all understanding. How can he say that? Because back in chapter 3, he explains to us what his life is really about. Turn back to chapter 3. Look at verse 7. Paul says, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider lost for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything as lost compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is found through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to know the fellowship and sharing in his sufferings. I want to become like him in his death and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. Look at verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this, I don't have it yet. That's my vision. That's what I want to be. That's what I want to attain. That's what I'm in the process for. Not that I've already attained this or that I've already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining for what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me, heavenward in Christ Jesus. 
And that's why Paul later on, sitting in a prison, can say, it doesn't matter what the circumstance is. I want to know Christ when my focus is on Him. I'm not worried that much about other people. I'm not worried that much about things. I'm learning to be content, Paul's going to say, in Christ. Not people. Not things. It's about your willingness to get involved in a process of growing in Him. It's your willingness to do the basic things of being in His Word and being in prayer and being in community and being in service and learning more about Him. And then other things start falling into place when our goal of our life is the prize of the heavenward call of Christ Jesus. So Paul's joy is not based on a situation or on other people. It's firmly rooted in Jesus Christ. So you say, I want that. Man, I want that. I don't like living a life of churning all the time. I know situations are going to come my way. Sometimes they're going to be extremely difficult. But I want to have deep down inside of me what Paul had. I want a deep peace. I want a contentment that is based on the unchanging person of Jesus Christ, not on all the changing circumstances around me. Sign me up. I want that. I'll tell you where to sign up. But I got to warn you, it's not like getting in a car and driving off. It's not like sitting in the seat of contentment and driving off into contentment happily ever after. Paul's going to tell us there's a process to it. Look again at chapter 10 and then verse 11. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you've renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you had concern, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstance. The word content literally means to be self-sufficient. It was a favorite word of the pagan philosophers of Christ's day. In fact, he borrowed it from them. In pagan philosophy, there was a great virtue of being self-sufficient, kind of like the American model, the self-made man. I can face anything I need to face, and I can hit it head on, and nothing's going to hurt me, and I can face it with pride, and I can face it with defiance. I'm the captain of my fate and my soul. Self-saturated sufficiency. So Paul takes that word to mean contentment in life circumstances, not from self-sufficiency, but through our dependence on Christ. A man whose resources are within him, but that resource is none other than the Holy Spirit. A man who is not self-sufficient, but is totally sufficient in Christ alone. Not a stoic pride and defiance of life, but a joy of living each day, depending on God to provide everything we need. And Paul says, whatever the circumstance we can have the grace of contentment. We can have the gift of contentment because of God's presence in our life. Here's the third thing we learn from this passage. Contentment is living independently of external circumstances through dependence on God. Look again at verse 11. Paul says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content. Paul says, my whole life, especially since I became a Christian, has been an educational process. Each day, God has given me assignments. 
And each assignment and each experience has taught me more about God and more about myself. Each circumstance has taken me to a deeper spiritual level. I've entered God's life university where the curriculum is broad and the subject matter is deep. And even in the most difficult classes, when I wanted to drop out, when I wanted to call it quits, when I said this isn't worth it, I stuck in there and I learned. I learned through the process to be independent of all the things around me and become totally dependent on God. Paul says, whatever the circumstance, I've learned to be content. And verse 12, he tells us some of the classes that were offered in this university of contentment. Here's the first one. I know what it's like to be in need. The word need describes being humbled by want or poverty. We don't have time to read through the whole passage, but jot down 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 28. And there Paul will describe what it's like to live in need. He'll tell you of the beatings that he endured. He'll tell you of the times he was flogged. He'll tell you of the times he was shipwrecked. He'll tell you that he was chased by enemies and his own countrymen sometime. He'll tell you that he knew what it was like to go hungry. He'll tell you what it was like to live in the cold and naked. So he's speaking from experience. And he said, I know what it's like to be in need. And living in need has taught me. I've learned through that. Look at the middle of verse 12. I also know what it's like to have plenty. I know what it's like to live in prosperity. The word here means to be extremely rich. Boy, that's sometimes the hardest place to be content, isn't it? Paul says in prosperity, when I didn't have to wonder where my next meal was coming from, when I was well-dressed, when I had a great roof over my head, when I had money in the bank, even then, that was also a class on learning to be content. See, we think if we get there, then we'll be content. Paul says, no, 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 no. That's just one of the classes in the process where you learn to be content. Look at the end of verse 12. Paul says, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Those three words translated learn the secret in the Greek is one word. Paul doesn't use this word much. In fact, he borrowed it from the pagan religions of his day. They were called the secret religions. And they were secret because there were some things that people didn't know about them unless you committed yourself to that religion. And when you did, you went through an initiation process. And that's the word Paul uses here. I have gone through the initiation process of learning the secrets of how to be content. I've been initiated into contentment. I have learned through the peaks and the valleys what it means to have this deep, settled peace in my heart. Here's a fourth thing I'd like for us to note from this passage. A spirit-controlled response to the events of life teaches us the secret of contentment. See, all of us are going to have events of life. 
Every one of us. Some of them are going to be great. Some of them are going to be very devastating. The issue will be, how are we going to respond? You say, the event I'm facing now, I can't handle it. You're right. You can't handle it unless you depend on the Lord to get you through it. Unless there is a spirit-controlled response. You have the Spirit of God living in you. You have the power to face any situation that God assigns to you. You can't handle it on your own. I can't handle it on my own. But if I'm willing to depend on God, a spirit-controlled response to the events of life initiates us into the secret of contentment. You see, you can't buy contentment, and you can't go get a videotape and learn it in three days, and there's no seminar you can fly to, and there's no book you can read. It is an initiation process. You have to learn it. And God brings all these assignments along our way to teach us. No mistakes, all from His divine curriculum for us. Look at verse 13. I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. In other versions, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Now that's probably one of the most misquoted passages of Scripture. Philippians 4.13, often ripped out of context and used as some positive thinking motto, I can do anything I want to do through Christ who gives me strength. The emphasis is on I, what I want to do, what I want to happen, and oh, by the way, I think Christ will help me do that. That is not what this verse means. Remember the context. The context is contentment. The context is the learning process of contentment. And so what this verse says is this. I have the power, I have the resources to face every situation of life through Christ who continually gives me the strength and ability for every assignment that He gives me at that particular time, at that particular stage of my life. Or said another way, through the strength of Christ, every believer has the ability to enjoy contentment in every event of life. And please stay with us. Ron returns in a few moments with a look at our next time together. When wanting to look your best in public, do you care about the appearance of your clothing? And the same question could be asked of your spiritual apparel, especially of those garments God has provided by His grace. They comprise an eight-piece ensemble made of heaven's finest virtues. You'll find that collection in Ron's PDF booklet titled Garments of Grace. In Garments of Grace, Ron describes each piece and how it's to be worn for God's glory. But here's a warning. When you don this wardrobe, you will be conspicuous. In a world dressed in filthy clothing, torn and tattered by sin, your attire will shine like the stars. Garments of Grace is yours as a digital download for a gift of any amount at ronmore.org. Again, that web address is ronmore.org. Your gift today will help keep the journey on the air, developing followers of Jesus Christ. Now, let's join Ron for a preview of our next broadcast. I want to speak directly to some of you who are going through a very difficult and challenging time in your life. Things like illness, the loss of a loved one, 
the emotional pain of a strained relationship or the devastation of a broken relationship, a heavy heart due to an unfulfilled dream. Maybe it's a struggle in your life with a character flaw, or maybe it's a temptation that seems to hang over your head like a dark cloud. Maybe you're in the midst of the battle right now and your situation is intense. Or maybe your situation is like a perennial plant. Sometimes it's in full bloom and other times it's below the surface, but the seed is always there. You've asked God to take you out of this situation, to relieve the situation, but at least to this point, it doesn't seem like he's heard your prayer. We hope you can join us for that message next time. And please remember to get your copy of Ron Moore's digital devotional, Garments of Grace. In its pages, you'll discover spiritual apparel for the well-dressed Christian. Garments of Grace is yours for a donation of any amount. You can get it online at ronmoore.org. That's ronmoore.org. Also, for our Pittsburgh area listeners, the real conversation continues at the Bible Chapel with Real Talk, Conversations from Corinth. In Paul's first letter to the Corinthian church, we'll discover what God has to say about leadership, sex, life, victory, and connection. This is a series you won't want to miss. The Bible Chapel has campuses across the greater Pittsburgh area. Visit BibleChapel.org for a location near you. Again, that address is BibleChapel.org. And if the journey has brightened your day and deepened your walk with Christ, won't you tell your friends and family about our program? Finally, please keep in mind that the journey relies on your generous donations to remain on the air, developing followers of Jesus Christ. Your gift today will be deeply appreciated. Thanks for listening, and we invite you to join Ron next time as we walk together on The Journey.